Hi everyone and welcome back to Discerning Consciousness podcast. I'm your host Ant and you join me today for episode number 142. So in today's episode I'm going to talk about the concept of the parallel society and this idea of an organic human evolution. So thank you all once again for tuning in. Um, I hope you are all doing well and managing to thrive at this particular time. So I'm just gonna, um, going to just give a quick rundown of what I'm going to be covering in today's um, episodes. I'm just going to begin with um, some background information really as to what I mean by the parallel society because it's a phrase um, that um, you may or may not be aware of. I'm just going to give some information of how it came to prominence um, in my own mind. I'm then going to move on and look at some of the main principles in terms of the concept of a parallel society and then I'll be delving a little bit deeper and looking at how society could change for the better in the future whilst also pointing out why why <clears throat> there remain no quick fixes and this is obviously going to be a kind of long-term project if you like and just finally in terms of the sort of role that we can play as individuals um, as part of this sort of transformation process so the parallel society well I think for my from my perspective um, it really came to the forefront of my mind um, during Covid um, when we were placed under severe restrictions and lockdowns and forced to wear masks and we know all the rest of it and it it really wasn't possible to live um, a normal life so ideas around freedom and personal liberty um, came to the fore like um, never before so um, perhaps like like myself you were looking at ways of um, exploring possible possible alternatives to mainstream everyday society uh, and looking at ways um, that you can maybe join together with fellow like-minded people because we really had reached a situation where the insanity of the world um, had reached fever pitch and many of us were looking um, for an escape route and um, talk of uh, an alter alternative ways of living um, did did become very appealing, um, probably still is to be honest, and uh, very tangible, perhaps perhaps for the first time. And and um, furthermore, in terms of um, kind of COVID restrictions, many of us were being victimised for our beliefs and personal choices, um, like never before. So the concept or the phrase of the parallel society really was a was a way in which um, I was contemplating how how it might be possible to li live outside of these restrictions and how it might be possible to um, live in a world and live in a society where we we could be free from all these um, restrictions and where we could just go about our, our daily business sort of um, un uninhindered. Um, I also um, I also sort of was at the time um, watching a lot of Thomas Sheridan's um, videos where he was doing his excellent series sort of chronicling um, the COVID madness and videos from his car, which he still does. And I still follow his work. And he um, and he he, he uh, entitled this his his Rona Ronicles, which I think is uh, 
quite an interesting phrase, his video diaries. And he used and he mentioned quite a lot the idea of a, a parallel society. And I think at the time um, it provided um, a, a lot of comfort to, to, to many of his um, viewers and audience and followers like it did to me because it really was quite a, a shocking or difficult um, time to, to be alive and, and um, to sort of um, try and process all of that without um, wanting to fight back against the system or without feeling um, really angry and, and extremely isolated. And I think the idea really struck a chord um, with alternative-minded people perhaps like many of you guys listening, because it did give us this this vision or um, hope of, of a better future. Um, uh, because as we know, as we've known for, for many years, the current systems, be they political, economic, financial, uh, education or healthcare, social politics, social policy, sorry, I should say, and society... Um, kind of in general, uh, as we know, is really now has reached a stage where it's totally beyond ideas of reform or reinventing the wheel. And furthermore, furthermore, I would just like to add, I don't personally think we, it's kind of like we are stuck in a bit of a bind because I don't think we can use our minds to theorise or think our way out of all these problems and intractable issues. I think that's sort of like, that's the old approach really. And as we know, it's simply... It simply doesn't work, the idea of um, new regulation or new ways of um, operating these systems and institutions. Because as we know, vested interests um, are so entrenched and uh, furthermore, kind of these entrenched, outdated ways of seeing the world within these institutions and organisations, I don't believe is going to change anytime soon. But uh, by extension, also, also as I was just saying, um, we've kind of perhaps learned the hard way, like I have, that we don't need to fight the system or the systems. Uh, we don't need to arm, arm the barricades. Um, but we do need, to, I feel that we do need to cherish and value personal sovereignty and freedom because I think they, from my perspective, I know other people will have their own view on what the parallel society is, um, this is just my perspective in today's episode. I'm just sharing that with you guys. But I think that these should be guiding principles of um, the parallel society. And, you know, at its, at its core, um, I know that perhaps this sounds like a sort of Christian approach, um, but the idea uh, of the sanctity of the traditional family unit and the idea, ideas around localism and small-scale economies and communities would, would, for me, be very much the underpinning of um, the parallel society and this idea of an, an organic human um, evolution. So we sort of also come to this idea of... Um, we need to, whilst uh, attempting to build an alternative or attempting to build the parallel society, I think it is important that we embrace um, certain guiding principles um, within our heart and mind. Uh, these these are um, really important, and we don't. At the same time, we don't 
um, it's important that we don't waste our energies focusing on all the ills and all the corruption and all, and all the criminality of the system, as I have said before on many occasions. So now I'm just going to get, um, just going to move on and get stuck into some fundamental fundamental principles of the parallel society as I see it. So I believe that over time, um, mainstream society is going to lurch from it's just going to be a case of one crisis to the next and as we know some of that will be contrived some of it will, will not necessarily uh, be contrived and it will just be because of the inherent um, sort of uh, unbalanced nature of the system and all these institutions and by extension we don't really know. Um, we don't really know what the future holds, other than the fact that there's going to be more crises. I mean, it could be that uh, as we move into the future, that new new inventions come along, um, things like the internet. I mean, and that in spite of all of the control and manipulation of the dark forces, the internet has been a real boom. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be where I am now with my understandings of self and the world without the internet. I know all of its fault. We're all well aware of its faults, in terms of perhaps um, you know the ills of social media and things like that. So we don't know um, at this point in time what what the future holds and what inventions will 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 come to light. So in a way. Um, in a sense, um, it's a kind of a little bit pointless setting out some sort of grand vision or policies or promotion or, or proposals, sorry, in terms of the future. Um, it's That's why in today's uh, particular episode, I'm not going to kind of give you tenants or I'm not going to give you, how should we say, um, any sort of policy proposals in terms of like any sort of um, alternative political type system, because... That isn't really what I believe the parallel society um, is about. If I could sort of give it, give it, give a description or a definition in kind of in a very broad sense, I would say it's very much about a living expression of the truly free human, or perhaps I could say a living expression of what it means to be a truly free human. And as we move forward. And as things begin to unravel more and more, I think that burning quest or desire within people is, is just going to expand and it's going to grow. And more and more people are going to they're going to begin um, a journey of self-discovery. Uh, and, and I think that is something that we need um, to take account of. So some of the um, principles, I believe, um, that underpin the parallel society include things like a natural law or a return to natural law um, guided by cosmic law and divine justice. And it also recognises um, that uh, reality is fracturing and breaking down uh, and the illusion is is really beginning to, to slip away and and reality is becoming much more sort of um, elastic, and and in and in that kind of framework of understanding, I think we're all finding. I, I know I get some days where we literally think of a thing, and it materializes in our existence within seconds or minutes. Um, so manifestation is becoming um, almost scarily instant. And um, uh, again, something I mentioned before. 
I think perhaps on my sister's show into the void, uh, my weekly audio diary is that um, time <laughs> or our concept of time is changing and it, and it's almost becoming completely um, redundant. I'm finding it more and more, uh, I'm finding it less and less, perhaps I should say, a useful tool to navigate life. It's, it's just so strange, like an hour can feel like half a day or even a day. Two or three days can feel feel like um, uh, a week, and and it it is just it's really strange, and it is um, it is extremely bewildering. But on top of all that, um, what we've seen um, in the wake of COVID, perhaps surprisingly, because it did when when um, the world economy was 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 frozen and things began to go into reverse and we 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 were hearing about all these sort of disaster scenarios and we remember seeing these sort of strange um images of um like uh cruise ships just um moored out at sea and 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 um container ships off the coast of china um hundreds of them literally and it did appear as if the system of globalization globalized trade globalized phone finance was 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 unraveling and we were going to see some sort of apocalyptic collapse but as we know the system and mainstream society in spite of all of it its ills and problems is extremely resilient um we know it exists on on an on a knife edge and um in spite of all the warning signs flashing amber and red, and as I was just saying, all the extreme economic disruptions, it still carries on. The system still um, seems to have um, this very, I don't know, this sort of hold on us all, and um, for, good or, for good or ill. But still rumours of financial implosion, dollar collapse, they still rumble on. Um, I mean, is it, I mean, it persists. Um, I believe that the system persists in spite of all of the crises that we've witnessed, um, perhaps like never before, really, in, in the history of capitalism, unlike during World War One and World War Two and other kind of shocks like that. I believe that the system has this sort of um, ability to persist in spite of all of these recent crises, is because I think the spell still remains very strong and is very alluring for a lot of people. Because for many, many billions of people who would not be interested in listening to my ideas about the concept of the parallel society and the emergence of an all organic human evolution, for people who aren't interested in that, it's like, well, if you don't have... Um, normal society if i can pull it like that more normal mainstream society then what what is there there's just anarchy there's chaos so they don't even want to look beyond they just their day-to-day -day, um existence and i think that just really comes down to a, um a lack of confidence or an inability to brace true freedom and and liberty um, because it is quite scary and overwhelming and it can perhaps feel quite self-indulgent and meaningless if you're struggling in a cost of living crisis. And there are many, many people uh, in this country, in Britain, who are literally on the bread line. So if I was to talk to them in these terms, they would just 
probably get quite angry and and I would understand that because a lot of these ideas seem quite abstract and and quite um indulgent you know, certainly if you are struggling to survive as I was just saying but at the other end of the scale uh also for those who have quite an easy life and enjoy uh, a lot of the conveniences and a lot of the distractions that um, they can afford. Um, sedation, a life of sedation, uh, means that they don't really have to um, delve and, and look into the meaning of uh, existence. So uh, um, I think also, just lastly, on, on just looking at some of the um, fundamental principles, sorry, of the parallel society, I think it, it begins really with something very simple and that's uh, um, about recognizing and accepting our strengths and um, personal limitations I think it does begin with that and also at its core I believe that the parallel society is about a, a living philosophy uh, as I was just saying a while ago it isn't really about um, a political ideology or a political or socio-economic doctrine because as we know um, often those can be co-opted by the bad guys uh, and we just land up um, in the same position where we where we start from now as I spoke about in an episode I did a few years ago about the revolution will not be um, televised where I spoke spoke about some sort of aspect of how society um, might change. So I'm just going to delve a little bit deeper now uh, and look look into um, just some more specifics really and I mean I think it begins with recognising um, that we do each have a role, an individual role in creating um, a better, perhaps a more sane world built, up, built upon the principles of um, natural law and it isn't as I say and it's not really about creating um, alternative economic social political systems and it's not about institutional um, reform either because um, many of the types of changes we've all been so desperate to see for so many years I believe will come about quite naturally over time um, and I think this stems in part from having a grounded approach to life and recognising, uh, perhaps this is one of the hardest things that I still struggle with, recognising that not everything about mainstream society is wrong or necessarily need changing. So perhaps there's bits, uh, parts that, you know, we would choose to keep. And it's not a, it's not really about attempting to bring down the system by campaigning or destroying, because as we know, the uh, very famous idiom, um, what you resist persists and that doesn't mean that on occasions uh, we might have to take bold actions uh, and that uh, do risk us being shunned or isolated as we found during Covid but there is a key aspect in recognising the responsibility we all have as individuals to create more conscious lives we can't continue um, with the blame game, as I call it, uh, and continually blaming outside sources like the political puppets or the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, the Rothschilds, um, the Khazaria Mafia, um, so, uh, so on and so on. The buck does really stop with us 
in terms of how we live our lives and the choices that we make. But what I'm talking about here isn't spiritual bypassing or sort of ungrounded truth ideas about life and existence. It's more about understanding the rules of existence or perhaps the rules of the human game, if I can put it like that, the laws of the game. And this includes sort of ideas around hidden forces, archetypal expressions, the cyclical nature of how life expresses itself on the planet and accepting and recognising the role played by shadow dark forces within the human game. And this naturally leads us to knowledge of what conditions need to exist within society for human beings to thrive whilst whilst giving true expression to their unique being. Think of it in terms of a new kind of or neo-politics devoid of dogma and ideology, just an agreed set upon, just sorry, just an agreed set upon set of principles that all men and women of pure heart know is righteous and incontrovertible. So just moving on now and sort of I just want to pick up on this idea of envisioning the future, the kind of theme partly theme of today's episode is that the current economic model of globalisation and corporate capitalism, I believe, will become increasingly outdated over time. And I think that more and more people are going to come to the realisation that competition doesn't lead to efficient outcomes. Therefore, it isn't the most profitable way of operating. Now, I'm not saying that competition is necessarily bad. But as we know, the current model of globalisation or the current globalised economic model, perhaps I should say, does invariably lead to the creation of huge corporate monopolies like Amazon that destroy a lot of the competition due to things like economies of scale. So it's it's a deeply unfair system. And of course, um, Amazon, I believe, started in the early to mid 1990s and originally it was just a bookseller. Now, I accept some people might say, well, this just shows that, um, you know, they are a remarkably successful um, company and and, um, shows the success of competition. I would I would argue differently, as I was just saying. So you might rightly think that such a view of the future uh, as it currently exists is just hopium and um, deeply unwise but I, I do believe in future there will be new kind of codes of ethics and, and uh, um, new ways in which companies operate uh, and kind of um, a very much a different ethos within the corporate world and companies will prosper and will be uh, far more efficient if if they add to the common good. And I think over time, as banking and the financial system shifts in a similar way, uh, for companies and corporations and small individual businesses, there will be less and less requirement to find find, uh, finance or to create finance through bank loans, um, etc. Because I think if whatever is being proposed if it's an individual consumer product if it's a service or if it's a business selling things to consumers if it if it is deemed to add to the collective good then 
there will be no issue. The money will be made available because, as we know, um, all of um, kind of debts and all these things, they are they don't actually exist. It's all just an illusion. So imagine if we lived in a world um, where that was actually recognised. There would be no barriers. There'd be literally no barriers to what what we could achieve and the kind of um, uh, sort of creativity that we could see uh, exist as well on the planet. Because conditions as they currently exist, um, I think we are living through the time of... um, what many ancient prophecies, including the Mayans, have spoken about. I, I do think we're in that period of change now, of human history and the massive shifts that are currently taking place. Uh, and in the midst of that, cooperation will become the guiding principle, not profit and exploitation. And banks and financial institutions, if they exist at all, uh, will be forced to change how they operate if they want to survive in the new climate in the new kind of more uh, evolutionary uh, world that hopefully we'll be living in. Now, I just want to turn my mind now to this sort of controversial issue uh, as I look to the future uh, in today's episode, um, the controversial issue of um, central bank digital currencies. Now, my 10 penneth on this, uh, I believe there's a lot of kind of sort of um, misleading information put out there, a lot of red herrings. Uh, because I believe that the banks have already missed the ideal window to introduce such a, such a system. Uh, but big names in alternative media continue to spread fear about um, central bank digital currencies. Uh, and yet again, I believe by doing so, they are doing the work of the dark occult forces they always claim to be opposing. How ironic, as we know. But unfortunately, bad news sells, whether it's mainstream or alternative, and it doesn't matter if it's the, as I just say, if it's the uh, MSN or your favourite truther spokesperson, it all has the same impact in that it disturbs the immune system, triggering the fight or flight system response, uh, which causes numerous health problems, which uh, I have, um, which I've had to deal with uh, and move on from uh, in the past. So it's it's in, it's important uh, at the same time to dispense with all our uh, kind of thinking, all all our, our all our all our nothing thinking. Sorry, especially in the years ahead, as the craziness on the planet, no doubt, accelerates. What you'll never hear in the alternative media is that there are forces for good working within major financial institutions, just as there are in all the main intelligence agencies. Not everyone who works for the CIA or FBI, by extension, is corrupt or compromised. It isn't as simple as the as the misleading story of good versus evil, or perhaps one remembers uh, um, from the Q stories or Q fables, perhaps I should say, the white hats versus the black hats, as um, appealing as that sort of simple storyline is. So just to illustrate the point I'm trying to make, um, I believe that the financial market collapse that coincided with the first COVID lockdown in early spring 2020 
was more than likely intended to provide the pretext to crash the financial system and implement uh, the central bank digital currency. But as we know, it didn't happen. On the surface, at least, it, it looks uh, as if the political and financial elites, uh, it looks as if uh, they still have all their ducks uh, perfectly in a row uh, and um, they're just waiting, um, waiting to flick, flick the switch. But I'm just um, I'm just um, I'm just theorizing here uh, in order to provide a broader context, in order to provide a broader context to all the constant doom laden speculation about the next big event that captivates the attention of the general public and by extension, the world's media. Always remember, though, alongside this, that there is a much bigger story playing out that is far more interesting and expansive and by, and also life-affirming um, than common truth stories and narratives about the next disaster to hit the planet. Furthermore, as history proves, when a controlling power or force appears to be at the, at the precipice of gaining total control over humanity, that power or force, which is on loan from God anyway, starts to um, implode and starts to unravel, as we can see. And uh, I have to say, I am going to keep banging her home this uh, point because I think it is well worth repeating over and over. So, yeah, just a piece of advice. Please don't waste your time and very priceless energy following truther gurus in your media who keep telling you that it's only a matter of time before the next big thing hits. Many of them personally profit from selling fear. They have no personal awareness or wisdom to share with their audience. As I like to say, when the trufer, sorry, Freudian slip, when the teacher is toxic, angry and unbalanced, then so is their work or teachings. Just like if you eat food cooked by a chef who is mean spirited, then the food, even right down to the very molecular level, will be negatively impact, impacted. And I believe that evil in its grossest form in terms of its ability to manipulate human events is on notice. And that forces for good in whatever form, uh, in whatever form or shape that takes are now in the ascendancy, even though it may appear to be to the contrary when we witness all the pain and suffering in the world. Sure, we have a long way to go and it's going to be a rather arduous journey, but I believe that humanity will make it in the end. And even if you consider what I'm uh, sharing today to be overly optimistic and not grounded in reality. What purpose does it serve to believe that there is no hope for the future of humanity? How does it expand our awareness to believe that the dark forces will inevitably win by enslaving humanity in a perpetual technocratic gulag? It, make, it makes no sense at all to have such a pessimistic view about the future unless an unless sorry an individual actually craves personal destruction due to their inability to create a meaningful existence at this time is there a war in human consciousness absolutely but it only exists in order to compel growth because of the collective human shadow so in some sense we look at it from a zoomed out perspective we did as a humanity invite in the opponent or the adversary. And sure, there will be many battles ahead, but they will be rooted in our own inner personal battles. 
with our own inner demons as much as they will be about fighting demons in the external world as above so below as within so below as within so without uh, we're, we're very much familiar with these these eternal truths and idioms so with um many of the challenges that we do uh, uh face uh going into the future um our level uh, of personal awareness is is going to be um, really quite um, quite critical, and the transition uh, to a sane, sane way of living, and by extension, being able to relate to our fellow man and woman in a sane, grounded, conscious way, will require great strength and courage to push beyond personal limitations. And as we know. Birthing anything new is always extremely challenging, but I believe in the human project and uh, our capacity to succeed in, in the final analysis. So I'm just going to look now some of the sort of um, personal characteristics of, of um, those who do believe in the parallel society and those who do uh, wish or desire to see a sort of organic evolution. Uh, in human consciousness at this time and coming to the future. I think naturally we're probably quite anarchic in the truest sense of the world and that we have no desire for political change because we see no value in any political solutions. By extension, as we know, politics has, has been the cause of all uh, the intractable social problems um, that currently grip society, be it war, addiction, social breakdown, etc., etc., etc. So in terms of existing social, political and economic structures, we have little option but to let things play out to their own logical ends or conclusion. I believe that over time, many of the deeply entrenched norms about how we should live in the world will become outdated and irrelevant. Uh, and this is likely to take um, place over several years or at least until a critical mass of human beings begins to fully embrace their innate power and fully rejects illegitimate authority and power structures. Furthermore, proponents or advocates of the parallel society, such as myself, uh, don't tend to be attached to the need to see positive change in the world. We don't need it to happen in order for us for in order for us to feel fulfilled in any way, uh, because we know the rules of the game, but we're not spending time obsessing about all the players and the scheming and the manipulation. Manipulation, and we can also look look on from afar, knowing that it is what it is, and um, whilst feeling a lot of deep compassion in terms of uh, the pain and suffering that people endure. Um, I also equate it to um, a scene from one of um, the earlier uh, Simpsons uh, from one of the Treehouse of Horrors in order to just illustrate this point. And this is a, a, a scene in which um, the advertising hoardings and billboards, they become almost psychotic and they start attacking the residents of, of Springfield and they become very very violent and uh lisa in her own in her own way um sings the line just don't look just don't look just don't look and and one by one these um sort of animated crazy advertising 
hoardings or advertising billboards, they just collapse uh, and they just fall in on themselves. So I think it's just an example of the way in which once you know the rules of the game, you, you, you don't, it isn't about like I used to do, you don't have to feel guilty if you're not focusing on all the ills of the world, on all the ills of the world, and all the greed, and all the evil, and all the corruption, which I did for for many many years, which which nearly, which nearly destroyed me, as I've mentioned um, before. There isn't any guilt that we need to feel if we do turn away. Uh, I think that is one of the most important things that we can do to empower ourselves, and it's one of those kinds of things that we can do that can. Um, in a sense, make the parallel society um, a reality um, much quicker. But by, by by extension, if you do feel called to reveal the deceptions, the criminality, I always say embrace what you're called, um, embrace what you, what you feel you're called to do. Don't limit it, don't restrict yourself. But by the, by the same token, realise it won't help to hasten the decline of the system. Uh, as important as sharing certain truths can be. Um, I, as I always say, yeah, because I think it is about, we should embrace our passions. It's not about living a safe life uh, whereby we just create um, aversions and, and diversions. And, and I've always personally found that when I really fully embrace something, if I fully embrace an idea, even like I did in the past where I thought, right, and you need to take on the dark forces. And the way I was, sounds a bit crazy, but the way I was fighting back was to uh, use or organise energy and, and place um, what are called tower busters near mobile phone masks. And I've learned subsequently that it's probably not, not a good idea to take on, <laughs> singularly take, uh, to take on board, uh, sorry, to, you know, to try and, to try and go into attack mode, to try and fight back against the dark forces, because as I find out, you're going to be crushed. But it was only by em embracing that that um, I was able to learn from the experience. If I skirted around the edges somewhat, I wouldn't have had the knowledge that I've gained subsequently from that experience. So that's why, just explaining why I do think it is Im important to embrace what we're called uh, in call today and called to do. Because in the same way uh, that in order to promote the establishment uh, of a parallel society, we also do need to let go of the current system and, and all of its insane norms. And that doesn't necessarily mean um, living in an adobe hut in, in India somewhere. It means that we can still exist within normal society. But it's just a, um, about perhaps just expecting that it's ever going to change mainstream society or, or it's ever going to reform. Just let it go. Because I equate it to, or I see it as like a massive container ship that is on a completely different course to those of us who want to live in a more um, kindly, conscious world. Um, we might be able to salvage something from the wreckage after it hit the, hits the rocks. Maybe it already has. Only time will tell on the benefit of hindsight. So I find it personally helpful in terms of the letting go processes to make sure that I'm not constantly fretting and analysing about the latest stories and narratives or charting the decline, no matter how compelling or interesting 
they might be. I mean, obviously, many of us find the current state of the world extremely distressing. And I don't think that's going to change really any day soon. If you're a critical thinker, if you're a sensitive soul like myself, it is extremely distressing, especially bearing in mind uh, events that are unfolding currently in the Middle East, which I spoke to in my most recent um, episode of Into the Void, episode 16, my audio diary. Go check that out if you haven't already done so. But um, as Thomas Sheridan has said with his ideas uh, around the parallel society, I think what we're looking at when I talk about these positive changes, organic positive changes that I think will occur in society as we return to balance and as natural law uh, is, is enacted within society, it's not going to be some sort of utopia. But like Thomas Sheridan says, I think it will be, if you can remember far back, as far back as pre 9-11 but when I remember you know living in the 90s I'm not sure if there's something you can relate to yes of course there was lots of greed and corruption and evil that still existed but even in the midst of this we didn't have woke we didn't have insane um, cultural Marxism and identity politics so there was a sort of normalcy there was still some decent music decent uh, decent movies you know, people went about their lives and if someone was black or Asian or Hispanic or Jewish or a Muslim, didn't matter or they happened to be black or not or have brown skin or pink skin or magenta skin. It didn't really matter back in the, in the 90s so much. People just went about their lives. And I think, you know, hopefully that is what we're going to see a return to, whereby all of these things in this sort of woke era or wokeism, identity politics, cultural Marxism, all of those sorts of norms, I think they're going to um, dissolve because they're anything but norm norms because they're created by dark forces, the bad guys, the hidden unknowns to create division, to make us hate ourselves and to make us hate one another. But there's nothing natural or, or, or organic about it. And I believe that we, we, we will see some sense of a return to sort of pre 9-11 normalcy. For some of you who are having a hard time in the 1990s, uh, pre-9-11, uh, that might not be, um, you know, might not, not, might not be uh, a good idea. But as we know, we're not going to see dramatic overchange, notwithstanding uh, amazing inventions, as I said at the start of this episode, uh, like the invent uh, invention of the internet that's changed everything and everything that we know about society. Um you know, it, perhaps tele, teleportation, mind-to-mind -mind communication, all those things, um, they, may be, they might become um, a, a reality uh, within society. Who knows? Who knows? We don't know the future. We don't know the future direction of society and, and the, way in which the, the way in which the parallel society is going to develop. Now, I just want to give an example here now of just... This idea of seeing mainstream society, um, seeing all the systems, seeing all the institutions, just letting them go on their way as, as a big ship, as a huge container ship. They, we, we just see it going off into the horizon. There's nothing that we can do. And whether these uh, uh, institutions and the systems are going to do, we just have to let it let it play out. So the example I'm going to talk about is, um, you know, we rightly bemoan 
the power of agribusiness and um, big supermarkets in the UK in terms of how they've effectively destroyed the economic viability of small-scale farming and much of the dairy industry as well. And due to the but due to the fact that millions of Brits uh, we have no means to grow our own food, crops or keep livestock, unfortunately. And because of this, um, there is a necessity for large-scale food production. If I can put it like this, it has become a necessary evil. And commercial food production, we know the disastrous impact on the environment and the general human health when profit is the sole or the most important consideration. consideration sorry, We're well aware of um, these things. But within the parallel society, there is this recognition that we do have to accept certain economic realities as they stand at the moment, like the power of supermarkets. Change, though, will begin to happen, I believe, when the consumer exerts their power um, as in individuals by making more conscious choices about their consumption habits. But it has to come from us. That's why there are no quick fixes. Um, supermarkets will be forced to change how they source and grow their produce over time. But at present, they kind of, in a way, pander to many of the consumers' inertia and laziness, the cult of convenience, as I call it. And, you know, we could talk ad nauseum as to, you know, whether people have been conditioned to to fully embrace the cult of convenience you know i believe many of them have but it's still a personal choice so by extension a key aspect of the paris parallel society sorry is recognizing the incredible power that we can exist as individuals and sorry to use the horrible phrase as consumers because when we make more conscious choices and decisions in relationship to all aspects of life, then the corporate world will have to change in order to reflect the evolution in human consciousness. Perhaps I can illustrate this um, better in, in, with another point. You've probably all heard of the Freeman of the Land. I think that's how it, it's, uh, it, it's known, the Freeman of the Land movement. And this is the idea that we as humans are nothing but slaves living a life of indebted servitude to the bank, banking and corporate elite. And it is said that we each have a unique serial number, I believe this is on our birth certificates, that is traded on the financial markets and that by extension we are not our name, but it's said that we are just a corporate identity. And and that furthermore, by extension, all debt is illusionary and therefore, by definition, illegal. And apparently there are ways and means to stop paying income tax and things like council tax. Uh, and you can do this without being imprisoned. Now, I have to admit that it is a fascinating subject to investigate, uh, albeit extremely mind blowing in its magnitude and the depth and scale of the deception. It's not an easy process to it's not an easy process if you want to if you want to um, remain sane. Uh, it's what I struggled with because it's like, oh my god, the manipulation and deception of human beings on this planet is, as many of us I'm sure are well aware of, is mind blowing. 
But I think part of the whole sort of initiatic process of walking the path and, you know, delving into conspiracy theories is being able to still operate within society, not going loopy, if you like, whilst taking on board information of um, such magnitude. That is the test for the initiate. That is, that's the initiatic process. A lot of people don't. Quite a lot of people don't. Quite a lot of people never recover. And I've known people like that. And it's a phrase I, I say, they become consumed by cynicism. They become consumed by hatred for humanity, hatred for the world, hatred for their fellow man and woman, hatred for specific groups, as we know. And um, their heart almost becomes... Um, their heart becomes like a stone. It, it it atrophies, and it's really it's really really sad to see that. Uh, and they never really, you know, they're never really able to come back in uh, in into, into balance. But anyway, back to what I'm talking about here: the Freeman on the land. There are certain types of people. I think they're quite brave. I mean, fair play to them, who do try and take things to the courts. You know, stick it to the man. Um, but the harsh reality is that most of them lose. And part of letting the system go part of letting the huge container ship disappear over the horizon is realizing well this is my belief i should say uh, that we can't outsmart the system or outwit it and disengagement is much more powerful um, if it is at all possible i mean many people have mortgages and they can't you know literally stop paying their mortgage and and also um i think that if you know, if we suddenly had lots of people taking up court cases, I think that only serves to energise the system and give it greater le legitimacy. And as we know, um, some unfortunate souls lose everything in their process of um, going through the courts. Um, they lose their homes, their relationships and jobs and businesses. And it's, um, it's very, very sad. But my response is um, to the whole kind of like Freeman on the land which I know is very popular in the truth of conspiracy circles. We know debt isn't real, but in order to remain a sane and productive member of society, we have little option but to get on with our day-to-day -day lives. And something further to consider, really, is if thousands or millions of mortgage holders suddenly refuse to make their monthly payments or any further payments to the banks and financial institutions, then there is a possibility that a number of the banks and financial institutions would cease to exist. And we might, as I once upon a I once upon a time would have done, we might welcome and crave such a dramatic scenario, but inevitably it would only lead to a worse situation than we currently find ourselves in. Again, to uh, make this point, Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on your perspective, there are no quick or easy fixes and enduring change within the context of the parallel society will only happen or will only emerge when humanity matures and grows to the point whereby it can release the self-imposed prison change, prison change, chains, perhaps I should say. So... I think I'm going to round things up now um, in this particular episode of Discerning Consciousness podcast. I've given you 
a real little bit of a taster because of course I could talk about this for hours and hours as I'm sure uh, many of you guys listening it's a fascinating area this whole idea of how society might change and evolve uh, in in future within the context of the parallel society but I'm just going to leave you guys today we'll just by way of summary just some main points some main thoughts so as we know, society is going through much change and upheaval and it appears to be a helpless situation that we're totally powerless to impact any positive change upon. And in the, mats, in the midst of this collapse and breakdown, of long, I believe that long established norms um, are, are going to uh, disappear and new opportunities are, are going to uh, emerge. But this will be an organic process and I believe it's going to be beyond the control of outside in, in, inter, interference. And that includes the supposedly omnipotent dark forces. Um, and I think the best that they're going to be able to do is add their signature to this sort of process of uh, this unfolding process of collapse and renewal. But it won't work. It's not going to work this time. They are not going to profit from the inevitable fallout. There's a new rule book emerging for life on this planet. And of course, this doesn't mean that pain and suffering is going to end. But for the first time, I believe that we do have the opportunity to create something better. And as I've said during this episode, we each have an individual role or part to pay to play in that process should should we choose to to take that option and that starts with our attitude to life and how we treat our fellow human beings and not giving in to cynicism and despair about the state of the world because i believe that is kind of self-indulgent and does feed the loose fest loose fest that the dark forces try to create all the time uh, and that they, by extension, they seek to keep humans in a perpetual state of mental, physical, psychological and spiritual bondage. So thank you all. Um, I think uh, this is a, 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 such a huge area of interest for me and hopefully for you guys. So I will um, no doubt, undoubtedly, talk about the parallel society at some point um, in the future. And I hope um, some of the points I've been a that I've shared today that you've been able to relate to, and I have given you at least um, some food for thought. So thank you all for tuning in today, and thank you so much for giving you, giving me your uh, your your support by listening and downloading uh, my content and sharing sharing it on all, on all your own platforms and sharing um sharing with your friends and families um kind of um con my own content so um yeah i will be back again very soon sharing the next episode of into the void at the weekend so thank you all again i'll be speaking to you all again very soon bye for now mm -hmm.